from downtown Milwaukee, welcome to Money Talk with Bob Landis. Each week, professional advisors from Landis and Company Investments discuss the latest financial developments, offering timely insight and long-term perspective. This is Money Talk for January 27, 2023. Looking at the calendar, the Bucks play the Pacers before heading back home for a week of games at the Forum. Today is National Chocolate Cake Day and Fun at Work Day. Hey, what a great day. <laughs> a man claiming to be a Russian cosmonaut working on the International Space Station scammed a Japanese woman into paying for his return trip to Earth. He even vowed to marry her once he landed. Well, I guess it could be worse. She could have actually married the jerk. A drunken thief in Monterey, Mexico, tried to steal the statue of St. Michael the Archangel. Now, St. Michael is known as the Garden of the Church. That's something the thief found out the hard way when, during his attempted getaway, he fell and was stabbed by the statue's sword. An 81-year-old Danish woman traveling from Africa to Canada was arrested at the Warsaw, Poland airport for drug possession. In her purse, they didn't find any Werther's originals, but they did find half a million dollars worth of heroin. Just how big was her purse? <laughs> and don't worry, I didn't forget our favorite southern state. A Florida man was so fed up with his HOA that he set fire to his condo as an act of revenge. Now, I know some people don't like HOAs, but this just seems a bit hot-headed. Hmm. Well, for now, the man has found a new place to live, courtesy of the county jail. At the big table today, I've got Dave Sandstrom, Tom Pappenfuss, Joel Treesing, and looking back at the week, here's Kyle Tedding. And recording a day early here today, so no closing numbers, but we'll certainly have them up with the show notes uh, when, we, when we post this on Friday. So if you're looking for closing numbers for the markets, you can always find them there. Uh, just one more reminder that we'll have a newsletter going out uh, as uh, as you're listening to this. Uh, likely, you'll be able to, to see it if you aren't already subscribed. I'd encourage you to go to our website uh, and subscribe. We can touch a little bit maybe in a minute on some of the stuff that's in that newsletter today. But you know, I think worth pointing out that we continue to see some pretty strong returns for stocks. Um, you know, pretty strong start to the year overall. Yeah, it's only you know, roughly 20 trading days in now. But uh, a reminder, I think, that, um, you know, not much has changed as we talk about what we've transitioned from last year, a market in which inflation was the focus, concerns about a potential recession. We've maybe added to the uncertainty this year with the debt ceiling. And yet, you know, for all intents and purposes, it seems like investors have kind of gotten the message that, Okay, we, we know how to deal with these issues now. There's some, some end in sight to this. And of course, Dave, I think the one question that remains is, you know, what do we really think the impact will be of the Federal Reserve continuing to raise rates? What's the pace of that look like? And most importantly, you know, how close are we to a potential recession? News out of parts of the rest of the world that perhaps things are going a little better there than what we thought. Similarly, we got a fourth quarter GDP report that I think was a little better than what certainly I thought it would be. And so maybe some signs that uh, the global economy in particular is a little stronger than we otherwise thought. Yeah, Kyle, and I hope it's not just because investors are just desperate for optimism. Um, but to your point, I think it's finally starting to sink in with investors that, you know, it does look like inflation is on the right track. 
the trends are, have been ingrained now. We've had six consecutive months in a row of declining inflation numbers. It looks like we're on track uh, for a seventh at this point. Um, and and really what we all need to hear, markets in general need to hear the Fed say we're done. And, and we're going to pause here to see what the effects of, of these rate hikes has been. Uh, Canada Central Bank, the Bank of Canada today, they got in one more quarter point increase, uh, raised their overnight rate to four and a half, and they announced that they are now going to pause to kind of see what the impacts uh, are there. So, you know, I'm not sure that that really has a lot of impact on on what our um, uh, Federal Reserve does. But I do think that investors in general are coming to grips with the fact that maybe it's time to start thinking about a post-Fed type of economy and, and where we're headed from there. And Joel, I mentioned the fourth quarter GDP report, which we got out this week. Uh, again, I think a, a sign that perhaps the economy has been a little stronger than what others might have thought. Yeah, it um, showed that there's a an annual pace of 2.9% growth in the GDP in the last three months of the year. That's down from 3.2% in the third quarter. But remember, we had two quarters, the first two quarters of 2022 actually were contractions. So, you know, people were saying, oh my gosh, you know, back-to-back GDP, you know, uh, contractions, that's a recession. And it, it maybe we will find out later that there was a recession, but, um, you know, we, we're, we're still growing. And, and part of that is that um, consumers are still spending, uh, even though, uh, you know, they had uh, personal savings up to like, uh, what was it? Um, I wrote this down. Um, they had well. It was like 1.8 trillion dollars that they had going into the pandemic, and they're now down to like, um, you know, 560 billion dollars. That's still a lot of money. But the the key thing is that the the employment market is still strong, and that's encouraging. And it's also encouraging, as Dave said, that they're seeing inflation um, starting to ease. And so, um, you know, they, they're at least through the end of last year, they were still spending, and that's what's going to keep the economy growing. You know, I think I, I talk with clients quite a bit about this idea that in order to spend money, and, and to be clear, our economy is driven by consumer spending, in order to spend money, you've either got to be making it or you have to have already made it. This quarter, the average baby boomer is going to reach 65, and so what we're really looking at is a population that uh, to a large extent, has has already made their money, that they're not counting on the labor market to be able to spend. In some regards, I think they're counting a little more on the investment market than the labor market. Uh, and so that also, I think, speaks to some sanity that we've seen in uh, parts of the investment world we haven't seen in a while. The challenge, of course, that we face is that there's still the rest of the population that needs to count on the labor market. We've seen you know significant layoffs in the tech sector. Um, you know, you gave us a number last week, and you know, I know you've got an update for it this week on how many layoffs we've seen in the tech sector. Um, I think the the challenge, of course, is that the employment universe is far bigger than tech alone. That's right. Yeah. So last week, I think I quoted a number of like thirty nine thousand tech layoffs counted by some group um, so far this year, and, and now this week it's sixty seven thousand. Um, but that's just, I mean, it's it's. A minuscule part of, of the entire labor force, which is like 57, 60 million people. Well, I think a lot of those layoffs are due to the, the extra employment that was added during, you know, COVID and, and, and the pandemic, just the nature of, you know, personal and consumer consumption uh, during that time period warranted all these 
tech companies to add more to supply um, and meet the demand needs of all this extra online services that we were taking advantage of. And so now it's more or less unwinding kind of that, that fluff we've seen um, into this point. At yeah, least. And Tom, we also pointed out that a lot of those workers, I saw an estimate that eight in 10 are getting hired within three months after they're laid off. So they're taking the skills that they had in high tech to other businesses, other industries, and, and helping to you know, fuel their technology needs. And, and Joel, I think that what's encouraging to me, at least, is I've seen a lot uh, or today's a, a report in the Wall Street Journal about small businesses, those that have less than 250 employees, are the ones that are continuing that employment strength and have really driven the employment boom since the pandemic. Uh, the report I read said that the small businesses are a net positive on three and a half million employees, where the big employers those that have 250 uh, or more employees are actually down about 800,000 jobs. So it's really the strength is in the small companies, which I personally like. I feel that, um, you know, the heart and the backbone of this country are, are small businesses. And it's good to see the fact that they're flourishing uh, in, in, a, in a, an economy like this. Yeah, such a good point, Dave. And of course, the, the one challenge there is that they don't have the resources that some of these big businesses have. And so when you talk about, you know, kind of where we're headed as a country, where we're headed as an economy, um, you go back to my comments earlier about kind of the, the aging workforce that's out there. Well, yeah, Microsoft's maybe laying off a few hundred or a few thousand people. They're also spending $10 billion on automation software. And so I think, you know, Tom, you and I have had this conversation, this chat GPT that Microsoft's spending money on. Uh, there's a lot of interesting articles coming out now about, you know, how this could replace search engines, how it could even replace things like what we do, because you can essentially tell this particular piece of software, but others like it, hey, go build this thing for me that is what I want it to be. Um, and turn around and let it work and come back, and now you've got an investment portfolio that no human ever really put hands on. I think there's some potential for some scary outcomes there, but also, you know, it is part of the way that the country is headed, automating some of these jobs that maybe will be replaced by robotics, by artificial intelligence. You know, that's that's one more way we can drive profitability in the future. Yeah, I mean, uh, and apologizing for kind of segueing, but just kind of back to the point of, you know, I think what's really interesting about right now and where we've come uh, year to date is, as we've kind of talked about before, is we're in a we've done a pretty dramatic shift in that now good news is good news for the markets, whereas you know the prior year you know bad news was or I should say good news was bad news from an economic standpoint. Hearing good economic news obviously it meant that we were still uh, being on our aggressive you know rate hiking schedule and that was obviously a headwind for for stocks and. Now, starting this new year, it's it's been quite the opposite, and we've seen you know that effect. It's been kind of a, very much a risk-on environment for for stocks out the gates. You're seeing growth stocks uh, certainly lead the way. The Nasdaq doing really well. Uh, Bitcoin, uh, <laughs> if you're an investor, of that that's about 39%. And even the the famous or infamous uh, you know Kathy Wood Ark uh, ETF is up over 20% year to date. So, uh, just a, a dramatic change in the investing environment here, just in the first few weeks of the month. And that that tech. Um and the innovation piece of that, Kyle, kind of what, what you're alluding to there with the, you know, the, the amount of innovation that's going to have to come to take on the challenges of the future with the demographics that we have, not just in this country, but globally. You know, we're looking at populations in developed countries around the world stagnating and declining. 
And, you know, workers don't just come out of out of nowhere. Um, we've seen that in this country. Unemployment right now at three and a half percent. It doesn't appear that that's changing rapidly. Um, and we certainly don't know where those workers are coming from. So finding ways for businesses to maximize production, innovation, and, and product generation without people is going to be the challenge going forward. Well, and if you go back to the Industrial Revolution and this idea that we could more efficiently create the next unit of goods sold, and then there was this kind of second revolution in our economy where all of a sudden it wasn't even about goods anymore, it was about services, whether that was a piece of software, whether that was something that to create the next unit didn't have all that much more cost. And so margins went through the roof. It's one of the reasons why we we had the euphoria we had back in the dot-com bubble because you looked at these businesses that didn't really have a lot of cost for the next sale. Yeah, maybe you had a little marketing cost or maybe you had a little distribution cost, but it was pennies compared to having to build an entire new car or an entire new you know, computer or whatever it was, physical goods you were producing. It's why America Online sent out millions of CDs around the world because it cost them literally pennies to potentially capture another new subscriber. And so I think the the real revolution we're seeing now is not this transition from industrial to service or industrial to something that's less tangible that you can't hold in your hands. It's now the method of production is being automated even more than it ever had. And that's both on the kind of knowledge-based side with things like ChatGPT, but also the actual production lines themselves. We're talking about billions of dollars in investment in semiconductor semiconductor manufacturing in our country over the next five to 10 years. Normally, that would be hundreds or thousands of jobs to staff plants like that. We're talking about a few hundred jobs now um, for what would otherwise have been entire communities that were supported. And that, I think, solves some of the demographic issue. There's a whole nother philosophical question out there about what people do when they don't have to work anymore. Um, that's less of an investment conversation, maybe more of a, all right, what does society need to get around to doing once we solve some of those easy problems? I think the, the bigger point, though, is the corporations that own the rights to this technology and that are implementing it, they're going to see incredible profit margin gains that we haven't seen since the last time we went through this revolution. The, the other piece of that is COVID escalated that transition. You know, we, we've been talking about this for 15 or 20 years. It's not like we didn't have robots doing stuff for us before. It's not like we didn't know that artificial intelligence would one day contribute to things like maybe portfolio management. What we know now, though, is that a lot of those decisions were forced upon us in part because demographics was always going to be the issue and in part because, well, the robots don't get sick and so you don't have to shut down a production line anymore because of COVID. Well, necessity is the mother of invention, right? I mean, how many times has that rung true in our lifetimes? And, you know, you think back to, you know, the 90s when and 80s when we started globalization, you know, we just threw bodies at it. You know, we had access suddenly to China and India and just millions of employees that were, you know, working for pennies on the dollar. So there wasn't a lot of need for that type of innovation and automation because <laughs> just bringing on another few thousand people to build this thing at a, at a very cheap cost. Uh, those days are are seemingly over, at least uh, not nearly what it was 
at one point in time. So now, now we're turning to the necessity of having to automate a lot of things. Well, and echoing that shift, I mean, uh, I can, I mean, maybe this is more relevant for for Kyle and I. Uh, kids in elementary school, they have there is not an elementary school that I'm aware of that is, doesn't have some type of coding offering or some type of STEM. Uh, you know, uh, offering as well. And so it's just become so ingrained in our kids, even at, even uh, as a kindergartner, my child was creating and building uh, video games on, on an iPad. Yeah. So they're already preparing kids to get used to that, you know, I don't know what uh, the coding <laughs> symbols are, zeros and dots and, and things like that, um, zeros and ones to, uh, to create that map for how you uh, direct something that's automated. So he's not sharing his homework with you, I guess. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's another conversation. No, I think that's the key, though, right, is we, we've always believed that the, the foundation of our country is this ability to adapt to things that come, at, come our way, and we did that by offshoring a lot of the labor. We're doing it now by bringing a lot of the labor back, but bringing it back in a way that fits with kind of the resources we have available. And Tom, to your point, developing those resources so that long term we can continue to rely on them. You know, Dave, the other piece that's come out of this whole conversation is, you know, the, the investment landscape has changed so drastically in the last few months that, um, you know, we don't count strictly on kind of that long term outlook anymore. Even the short term safe stuff now seems to be providing kind of a better outlook than what we've seen in the past. You know, I know you've been looking at, you know, just things like savings accounts rates at banks compared to what you can get in other places. And all of a sudden, there's opportunities for that safe money. You know, Kyle, it's interesting. We've, you know, it's been beaten in every investor's head for so long now about zero interest rate environments and, and how you can't make any money on, on safe investments. I mean, we spent the better part of the last 10 years with an overnight rate at the Fed near zero. And I, I think that there's been a little complacency with investors. I, I an article today that I read uh, stating that the average savings account in the country is still at only uh, 33 basis points, uh, whereas short-term investments like money markets, CDs, and, and some short-term treasuries paying north of 4%. So that's a pretty attractive uh, rate considering where we've been the last 10 years for relatively you know, bulletproof you know, savings. Uh, and money uh, in the short term. So, you know, I, I just want to point that out to people. Don't be, con- you know, content with your bank paying you 30 basis points uh, on money that you don't, in, you know, you're just, you're sitting on. There there are other opportunities for you to to improve that safe money return. Yeah, I think key to understand that there's a role that safe money plays. It gives us the courage to look at some of these other things we're talking about, right? It gives us the ability to say, well, the next year, three years, five years are taken care of. And now I can look ahead to what's the future of automation, robotics, whatever that thing is that excites you or excites me as an investor. Okay, I can get to a point where that's now profitable. I can get to a point where that's now adding value to my portfolio because I'm getting 4% on my money market now or I'm getting 45 or 5 on a high-quality corporate bond fund. All those, I think, are reasons why. We should be excited about the opportunities we have right now. You know, I think that's more than enough for a week. Uh, As always, we enjoy doing the program for you, and we will talk to you again next week. Thank you for listening to Money Talk with Bob Landis. If you have a financial question you want answered on next week's show, email it to moneytalk at landis.com. 
To keep informed throughout the week, visit our Money Talk page at Landis.com. <laughs>